It's finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Dan Mangena, here empowering you to live more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven lives. I'm here with a cool kitten who's done some groovy stuff in my world. She's going to rock yours. Alexa is badass. She is a boss lady. She is a mumsy. She's an ex- Air Force, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, Air Force. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no things. Um, To put this into context, I know you guys are all excited about the latest new edition of Stepping Beyond Intention. This is the queen that brainiac the whole thing. So I'm excited to introduce you to her. More so because she's got a badass story that I think you are going to be moved by, inspired by, and lit up by. So without further ado, Alexa, please let the people know who you are and a little bit more about what you do. Oh my goodness. I don't know that I've ever been called a cool kitten and a badass in the same sentence. So thank you. That's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, well, let's see. Uh, so my background, as you mentioned, I was in the Air Force. My background is actually in intelligence and counterterrorism. So to wind up as a book publisher and author <laughs> often throws people through a little loop. They're like, uh... yeah, so I served in the Air Force for seven years and then went on to work in Homeland Security and writing counterterrorism plans for the state of South Carolina. And I had two small children at the time. And as you can imagine, life was pretty crazy. I was traveling a lot. I was always paranoid someone was trying to kill me because <laughs> that's what you do in counterterrorism. Of course. And I, I had a conversation with my husband and I was kind of like, I don't want to keep doing this all the time. Can I, can I be a stay at home mom? Because that would just be so much easier. I thought <laughs> um, a, a shout out to all the stay at home moms, because hands down, that's shout the out, hardest job out, I've ever out, done. Out, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I very rapidly found that was um, quite challenging, but I'll speed this part of the story up. It's the sad part of the story. Shortly after I stopped working and was home with my kids, we wound up pregnant with number three, which actually happened to be number three and four. We were very surprised with um, identical twins and they were diagnosed with a syndrome called twin to twin transfusion syndrome. Um, It was a difficult journey. We were in the hospital a lot. They were very sick, born very early. And um, our daughter, Catherine, passed away after two days. And our Mm. other daughter was in the NICU for three months, which was a nightmare upon itself. Mm. And um, so uh, after that, after kind of the dust settled, after we brought our survivor home, which I'll just be, even though she was one pound, 10 ounces at birth, she is a very- One pound, 10 ounces. Yes, one pound, 10 ounces. Let me tell you, when you see a baby that tiny, you get a whole new appreciation for our bodies and the power of us as humans, because it was, I mean, you could see through her skin. She was basically translucent. My, my dad said she looked like a drowned squirrel. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, Thanks dad. But um, yeah, after I, after I came home and had a little bit of time to try and feel my way again, I started blogging. Um, I thought it was really, really important to provide information about twin to twin transfusion syndrome, um, talk about what life was like in the NICU. Of course, I was doing a lot of blogging about grief and loss and loss is just a little bit different when you bring one baby home and 
don't bring the other home. And so I started talking a lot about what to say to grieving mothers, what not to say to grieving mothers and all of those things. And eventually decided I wanted to do more, to give more, to, to, to do something bigger. So I pulled together a bunch of people in my community that I knew were doing big things for grieving mothers and, and fathers. And we decided to um, write the book, Sunshine After the Storm, A Survival Guide for the Grieving Mother. So the first book, that was the first book. And I made a lot of mistakes in that journey, which helped me um, as, you know, get better in the process. But at that point, I didn't I wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm just going to be a book publisher. At that point in time, it was a very much a healing journey. But I found in the process that as you know, from, from doing your own books, it's a big enigma. There's a mm. lot of moving pieces all over the place. And I like mm-hmm. puzzles. I like challenging things. I was an, anal- I was an analyst for a long time. I love finding all the things and it was a huge challenge and it's always different and exciting. And so I was like, you know what? I want to keep writing books. So I started a parenting series called lose the Cape realities from busy, modern moms and strategies to survive. And after I published the second book, people started saying, wow, how are you doing this? I want to write a book. I want to write a book. As you can imagine, my first um, clients were other grieving mothers who also Mm -hmm. wanted to share their stories, other moms. And I just started helping people and I learned the process along the way. So I like to call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I just (laughs) built a business out of a need. But you know what, Dan, it was such a healing process. And that's one of the Mm. things that I talk about a lot with our authors now is how writing in any format, journaling, um, writing a book, writing a blog, any of those things can be such a route to healing your trauma and your loss and moving through it. Mm. So I don't know if anybody can really come to terms with having one child gone, but then having the constant reminder because you had an identical twin that would have required a lot of healing and that your writing was a conduit to that and then actually provided you with an avenue to support and help others I think is really beautiful so thank you yeah, thank you. I wound up actually forming a nonprofit because after we um, after we published Sunshine After the Storm, I didn't want to just um, I didn't want grieving mothers to have to buy the book. I was like, I want to give this to moms. And so um, I, I set up a little Google form and a little website and was like, if you know someone who's who suffered a loss, have them fill this out. I'll send them a book. And what happened was I started sending books, but then I was like, I don't want to just send them a book. So I started putting little things in their tissues, um, warm, fuzzy socks, packets of tea, chocolate, you know, all those kinds of things that are just like comfort things. Mm. And um, so I'm sending out these packages and my husband was like, um, you're going to run us into the ground financially <laughs> because <laughs> you're just like doing all this stuff. So I was like, you're right. I should probably solicit some help. So I started a little nonprofit and we fundraise enough each year just basically to cover the costs of sending out those packages. And that in That's itself yeah, that, that was another part of the healing process that was amazing. But what I didn't tell you was when I um, when I wrote the book, I um, you have the option to create an imprint. So an imprint, for those of you who aren't uh, publishers, means that you can create a name like Penguin, like Random House, like Simon & Schuster, all of those things that is associated with your book. So I named my initial publishing house Cat Biggie Press because my daughter's name was Catherine and Big Wharf, mm-hmm. so Cat Biggie. So mm-hmm. that's been another part of it because what I found with healing is, um, or with a significant loss like that, when you can do something where that person is a tremendous part of your life, 
always, um, you know, so she's she's a part of my daily life. And I often tell people she was only here for two days, but she's had one of the biggest impacts an infant yeah. could have. Big mission. <laughs> yeah. And, and it keeps me on track, too, because it, it always reminds me of my why. When I get frustrated, when I start going down the wrong path, when I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is hard. People are hard. Authors are hard sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, OK, I remember why I'm Strength doing this. from the great beyond. Strength <laughs> right. from the great beyond. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been fun. Wow. Um, so y- 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 you've gone through this massive journey. It's continued to evolve. You've continued to grow. You've continued to support others. Um, but now you don't just work with groovy mothers. You also work with crazy British guys that moved to Mexico. So <laughs> like, how did that transition start to happen for you? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, Somewhere along the line, as I was trying to learn how to grow a business, I started hanging out in entrepreneur groups a lot. So I was in a lot of moms who were building businesses like I was and started connecting with other female entrepreneurs primarily at the time who were who were wanting to write and publish their books. And I kind of actually moved a little bit away from the grief and loss and moved into a niche where I was helping female entrepreneurs. And to me, actually, now I get a lot of a very heart emotional value from helping people with the books of of healing lost trauma big inspirational type things but entrepreneurs are easy because they, <laughs> they, they know that they know what they want they know how to sell something and they know who their audience is <laughs> that's so much easier than trying to teach somebody all those things you know so i mean you were a breeze to work with i think you gave you way too much credit on what we did for your book but thank you but <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just the writing then it's the, the the entire process that you actually support with right I, in fact i don't do a whole lot of writing support i found that i'm really good at helping people pull especially for nonfiction, especially for books that are meant to build a business i'm, mm-hmm. I'm really good at helping people pull what they need to do outline what needs to go in that book and keep mm-hmm. clear on what needs to be in the book for the reader experience mm-hmm. but then the writing stuff i don't consider myself a writing coach i consider myself more of an accountability coach so if you need someone who's like going to help you like is this word better than this word is this correct grammar that's not me but i am great at the accountability <laughs> and the project I'll management you, i'll tell you to do it but not what to do <laughs> exactly exactly and then but we have lots and lots of editors that we refer people to all the time but um really my my i guess my superpower is in the project management part really because of all those moving pieces that have to uh, all happen together and at the same you know on special terrorists out of the country so. Ex- exactly exactly <laughs> so making sure that because that's the hardest part really is making sure that all the right pieces line up in the right time frame, especially if you want to have a big launch, because a lot of people don't realize all the work that goes into trying to sell thousands of copies of a book. Mm. <laughs> if you let's, don't have an email list. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 talk more about um, the expectations that people have, because I'm sure there are people that have gone into these big journeys, people who have gone into um collaborative books I've been in a couple one I don't even make reference to because it was earlier on in my collaborative book journey and I realized okay this was just a scam for someone to get some money out of me Uh Um, (laughs) um, can we talk about the mechanics of a book what it can do to an extent what it doesn't do Uh, just a bit of insight because I've, I've seen more and more 
Um, I've even seen now people selling people the strategy for selling a book, like a group book to people. And I'm sort of seeing it everywhere now. Be in my group yeah. book. Yeah. You know, this is the idea of expectations and the idea of really understanding what you're going to get out of it. This is actually a big area that I place a lot of emphasis on because so many people think I am going to publish this book and I'm going to change the world. And you can, but it's usually like, I'm going to write a book. Then I'm going to work really freaking hard for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then I might have my impact on the world. Sometimes it doesn't take 10 years. I'm just Mm -hmm. exaggerating here, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that have to go either before that or during that, you know, like they say that nobody's, there's no such thing as an overnight success behind Mm. every overnight success. There were five, 10 years of really hard work and then boom, the right thing happened. So with, with a book, And to your point on these collaborative books, collaborative books, when done by the right person who knows what they're doing, can be very, very effective. I have participated in many collaborative books. I've only Mm -hmm. participated in one that had a that 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 hit the mark because her whole focus wasn't even how good the book was. It was just making the bestsellers lists. So there were 24 of us that came together. She Mm -hmm. had an extreme strategy. We worked this strategy. We did this thing and we were able to hit not New York Times because that's almost impossible without Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. But we did hit Wall Street Journal and USA Today, which are, you know, good, good things behind them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can put that behind my name now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not it's not a life changing book. It's tips from people in the publishing industry. So woohoo, we're probably not going to have, you know, (laughs) people like going nuts over this book, but we accomplished our objective. But back to your question on, on expectations, it's, you know, the reality of hitting lists and the reality of, of doing things like that. It takes a lot of sales in a very short window of time. And the reality of making a lot of money from book sales, unless you're famous, unless you have a huge email list, takes a lot of work to get there. And people are often really shocked at what a good book launch actually looks like. For most mm-hmm. of our clients who are Um, I'm more so on the, not the entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are different because if they have a a list already built up, if they have people that are already there and waiting for more content from them, them, it's sometimes an easier path. But for new authors with no audiences with, you know, that are just getting started, like a great book launch is two to 300 books sold in their launch, which for Mm -hmm. most people are like, that's nothing. And I'm like, it's a start. And if you don't, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's math. If you yeah, only have. That was my, my first, my first, um, yeah. my first book that I got to be a bestseller. I think, yeah, we sold like 400 books or something yeah, like that. That's, that's fantastic. And, mm-hmm. but it's, it's what comes next. That's yeah. the piece that a lot of people forget about, you know, now you've got credibility. Now you've mm-hmm. got your name out there in the world. Now you are, you know, if you're, if you're going out and wanting to speak or wanting to get other, you know, engagements, or I, I worked with one gentleman who, who can directly track three hundred thousand dollars worth of consulting that he brought in because of his book Mm -hmm. so you have to think really big picture on what your book is trying to do what you're trying to to achieve with it and then you know you also have to think about genre obviously if it's something that's going to bring money that's a good thing but some things are are more difficult so like mine for grieving mothers we will never sell a million copies of our book but Mm -hmm. i received at least i don't know between 50 and 100 emails and Facebook messages, maybe more than that, of women who have reached out and have said, 
this book was exactly what I needed in a time where I felt completely alone and isolated. So sometimes it's not a huge result that Mm -hmm. makes it worth it, you know? But for me, this comes back to the intention behind what one is doing in the first place. Mm -hmm. So are you doing it? So for example, we're going to be working together on my my next book, Stop Meditating. We're going to be working with you guys on, on that. We've pushed it back to 2020. Two, it's 2021 this year, right? We it is. Back to 2022 um, because there's a lot going on this year and we want yeah. to spend some time just really getting the books that we've got out there and, you know, getting things ready and setting up and all of the things and really making sure that the book's really a good book, right? Um, but the intention isn't just to get to a list for getting on a list's sake. For me personally, right. it's right. the list for me is an indicator of the number of people that I've been able to reach with the book. Right. Right. Having that impact with the book. Yes, it will leverage being on, you know, a high caliber of lists will leverage being able to go and do more stuff. But at the end of the day, like, what are you writing a book for? Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting because I just had a conversation with a a consulting call with a lady yesterday who has written a book. It's a fiction book, but it's based on the juvenile justice system, basically, and kids who are in the system, kids who are Mm -hmm. in foster care and often wind up in in juvenile. And, um, you know, we were looking at our Amazon sales and I was like, oh, you're doing pretty good. You're selling consistently 20 to 30 books a month. And she was like, yeah, but that's only one picture of it. She was like, I work heavily with organizations um, who work with the foster care care systems who work with juvenile justice. And she said, we do bulk orders to them of three to 500 at a time. So sometimes mm. even the sales picture doesn't even. Yeah, I'm, I've got, the same. I've got exactly the same because yeah. we, um, with the old print, not with the new print that we've updated, but with the old print, we printed a load of mm-hmm. the dreamers manifesto and Stephanie on the intention. And those were going out in off, off Amazon sales too. Mm-hmm. So we, we've definitely done more than that, but, um, I think what you're even saying goes to this idea of getting caught up in one side of the picture. So someone, yeah. for example, might be judging judging even people buying books, but they're not reading it necessarily. Right. Exactly. Especially on eBooks, because yeah. you, I mean, lots of people buy eBooks, especially when you run sales and never, ever open them. I mean, I have a Kindle full of books <laughs> that mm-hmm. I've bought and never opened. So, you know, it's, it's, you're right. There's, there's lots of other ways to judge what's actually happening behind mm-hmm. the scenes on those books. But, you know, you asked something, something that you said in your question earlier also made me think of something, um, uh, I just had a podcast interview with someone where we talked about, should you even write the book? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, going back to expectations on like what you're actually trying to achieve with the book, what it's going to, what success is going to look like with you and for you and whether or not like all the things you have to do to get there are worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, she had the woman I interviewed had written a, a book for widows. So again, another really heavy topic. And if you go into a book like that, thinking that it's going to make you a millionaire or thinking that mm-hmm. you're going to build a business around it, like that can be super tough. So, you know, mm-hmm. having, having, and, and just before we came on, I saw a Reddit article pop up and the discussion is, should you even write the book? So I think we're actually starting to see a swing right now, Dan, where we went through this like decade of self publishing assets that made it so much easier for everyone to publish a book. And now people are realizing it's hard work. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, if you want something out of it, you you've got to do more than just plop the book up on Amazon yeah, and go with it. Marketing is yeah. 
Yeah. There's a lot of other things you can do podcast blogging, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, but no, really, really having a, 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 again, that why that understanding of the, the expectations and that, what am I trying to achieve with this book and staying really clear and focused on that. And if that's always the marker that you're trying to, to hit, then you don't get as wrapped up in, in sales numbers and, and things like that mm-hmm. in the beginning, you know? Mm. And and again, to, to come back to this point of the, you know, the the, the people that have been sending you messages, like yeah. you really got into this to help people and you are helping yeah. people. Yeah. And I exactly. think sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that the journey to helping a million people starts with helping one or two. That is so true. Right. I get this like with micro we got this not so much now because I'm more clear um with people when they hop into it, but when we first first started micro two million three years ago, um People are like, I don't need a hundred dollars. Like I need 10,000 or I need a hundred thousand to like do this or do that. And they didn't understand. They didn't get that all of our guys that have even got to a million, the guys that have got to a hundred thousand, two, three, four, five hundred thousand, all started with getting that first hundred. Right. So, you know, when people are just getting, just quote unquote, getting 20, 30 sales a month or just getting, you know, a hundred emails when they want to help a million people, that's where it starts. <laughs> Well, it's consistency. And it's funny because, you know, so I do no marketing for Sunshine After the Storm. It's on Amazon so that it's a resource. If people need it, they can find it. Mm-hmm. We do run some Amazon ads to it. I'm not going to lie. We do. So that's our only marketing. We, we mm-hmm. put in a budget each month to sell it. And it's selling. It's selling after I published it in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it's still consistently selling between... I would say about 30 print copies and about 20 ebook copies every single month with no marketing other than a low budget Amazon ads out there. Mm-hmm. And it's because it, it continues. This is the other thing that consistent sales, consistent reviews, consistent things like that, keep it up in the recommended things and all that kind of stuff. But I tell you mm-hmm. that because it feels really small, just like if you want to lose a hundred pounds and you lose five and you're like, I haven't hardly done anything, but then you lose another five and another five. And all of a sudden you're at 40 and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I'm almost halfway there. Same with that. I looked at the lifetime sales the other day and we've sold over two or 3000 books. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's like you said, 3000 mothers Mm -hmm. and more than that, because I've given thousands to the local hospitals and sent Mm -hmm. out um, who knows how many in um, care packages and donated to other organizations and other things like that. So that's that made me shiver. That made me shiver, actually, mm. because I remember how alone and isolated I was in that period after loss. And to know that there's that many people that have hopefully felt warmth from from that and, and you know, a hug, a hug mm-hmm. and comfort in a time when they need it the most. So it does. It does. Small actions, like you said, you, you can't get to the helping a thousand people without helping one or two first. Mm. And when your thing is about helping people, um, no, that sounded a bit judgy because it was. Let me, for me, <laughs> in my humble opinion, and I get this like uh, I'll do a speaking engagement with five people in the room, and I'll mm-hmm. give it the same respect mm-hmm. if I'm speaking to ten thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I will go on a podcast that's got fifty listeners, yeah. and I'll give it the same respect to one where I go that's got 10,000 downloads every month or 20,000 downloads because for me it is genuinely about still sounding judgy because it is a little bit there we go I said it not going to judge myself for judging it is about actually touching people no matter how many people are there to be touched because you don't know 
You don't know the impact you're going to have on that person's life. The very reason why you're here on earth could be to speak to one of those five people you don't know, or someone that they're going to speak to about your message. And I've, and to put this even into like, um, was it, is it, I think it's Gary Vaynerchuk that says kindness is the best strategy or something yes. like that. Or whatever. Oh my gosh. Well, well, that's why we met Dan, because we're in a group of other um, CEOs that have the same like passion. Like it's, exactly. we, of course we want to make money. We're, we're yeah, business owners. We got to make yeah. money, but we want to make more to give more. Give more. And, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it is for us, that is the most important thing and it's a driver and it will keep us moving forward and keep us on track and keep us continuing to do things that are going to help people. You know, um, people will ask me sometimes, why uh, it's a strange question to ask somebody, but, or maybe I'll just say it this way. I ask myself often, and I know I've had this question from other people too. Like, why did this even happen? Why were we blessed with identical twins mm-hmm. just to lose one? And just to go through that whole story. Why did I, why did I need that to happen? Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I couldn't have given you an answer. I was mad at God and Mm -hmm. I didn't talk to him for a very, very long time. And now Mm -hmm. I've kind of changed my beliefs on all of that. Actually, I've evolved as a person and what I think is out there. But I truly believe that everything that happened in my life, the lessons that I learned, the skills that I developed in the military, for example, in high school and living abroad and doing all these things. Like when I look back on it now, Dan, I really feel like every major thing that happened to me in my life prepared me to be in a spot where I could take what happened to me and do what I've done from it. Mm. And, you know, not only it's, it's exciting to me now because not only have I impacted women who are grieving the, the, the worst loss, but I've mm-hmm. also gone on to impact thousands of other women who may not have lost a child, but have had other things happen to them that they're they're trying to come out of. And um, I run a, an annual conference, the Women in Publishing Summit, because I love to teach and I love to share and I love to bring resources for people. And this last one after COVID, it wasn't about like the, the happiness that I took from the way that conference went was because at the end of the conference, I had woman after woman after woman saying, I have been so depressed. I have been my one lady said, I, my husband wants to send you flowers. I have been stuck in a chair for the last six months. So depressed. I haven't moved. And this conference has me writing again and energized again. And like chills again, like, like to have, like, it wasn't all me, but, but, but I facilitated it, you know, and to, to Mm -hmm. keep, but it's because it is part of that giving back and part of helping others through their journey and part of providing a way for people to get inspired again. Mm. And like what you do as well, like helping, helping people move beyond and get inspired, find that way forward. Like it's, there's, to me, that's what causes me the greatest happiness in life is being a vessel to help other people find good things in life, mm. to find happiness again, to overcome whatever it is. And it's evolved. Like I've said, I mean, my journey is so strange. That's why when I'm on podcasts and people are like, tell me about your life. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> Which Who part, are you? Which part of the grand journey? <laughs> exactly. Like, there's a lot. Let me try and make it concise. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you continue to be out there supporting people throughout the whole journey of, of books. And I just, one of the things I love to work about with Greece, like, you were like, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. So <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, okay. Well, I wasn't expecting to hear that. But no, just, you're just real and, yeah. and managed expectations and helped us put the plan together. I might still have tried to 
bulldoze my way into putting out the other book this year if I didn't have you <laughs> there to be like, well, you know, maybe try and this. It, and- yeah. I mean, what the, that's a lesson that I learned actually, Dan, the hard way, mm-hmm. because with working with a lot of authors, you can be the cheerleader. You can say, sure, you can do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's no reason because all of us can, if we mm-hmm. want to kill ourselves in the process, we are spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Most people can, but, but the reality is most people won't. And there are certain circumstances that make it better. I'm just glad you have the sense to realize what I was telling you, you know, that, that you understood what I was saying. And you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you can, mm-hmm. you can make, you can either go a really hard, painful path and then have a whole bunch of regrets, or you can, you can say, you know what, that makes more sense. Let's, mm-hmm. let's give it some time. Let's give mm-hmm. it some space. Let's do these things. Mm-hmm. Get everything and, together and we'll first. get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now like, you know, we've, we've got a lot of, you know, increasing our email building strategies, building out my profile as an author. We're going to be leveraging the current books, getting out on more book podcasts, um, been focusing on guest blogging. We've got some more guest blogging spots now, um, putting out content on, you know, I write for Entrepreneur Brains and other magazines, putting out content so people know who I am. Then when I spin around and say, hey, guys, I've got a book, then you've got, you know, 50, 60,000 people that you can put it out to and see where you go with it. It's a very, very different position to be in than... Hey, <laughs> throw some money. At, hey, buy yeah. my stuff. It's a very different situation. Oh, I can rapidly go down that journey too. When you're when when you're pushing really hard for a certain goal, and and all of a sudden you're investing money in this and that. And I would say, you know, I've made some huge mistakes in this process. Some some the thousands of dollars wasted and time wasted when I realized after the fact. And I think honestly. I think that that's what makes good coaches good coaches is we've actually we've actually tried it, done it, refined it, fixed it, you know, found mm-hmm. the things that work and don't work across the board in any kind of in any kind of um you know field mm-hmm. and uh, and we are my team and I were always trying new things and tweaking and looking at data. Data is so important, no matter what you're doing, uh, looking mm-hmm. at data and seeing what's working. What's not. And we're actually revising our launch strategy right now because we've studied the data of the last year mm-hmm. and things that were working really well at a certain point have kind of fizzled off and it's not as effective. So you either continue, like, like they say, the definition of insanity is doing the same doing the thing same over thing, and over. Doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I, I'm insane enough all by myself. I don't need to bring insanity <laughs> into my business so <laughs> yeah it's brilliant, expectations brilliant. expectations and then figuring out how to get down that path no matter what you're doing exactly um for people that want to hang out with you more um maybe even speak to you about a book project which guys i do wholeheartedly suggest whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're someone that even just just i'm sorry i'm going to inundate you with people now sorry <laughs> even if it's just getting to lap up Alexa and the team's wisdom around what you're doing, definitely connect. What's the best way for them to yeah, you can you can find us. We're at Write Publish Cell, like writing the book, Write Publish Cell, pretty much everywhere on all social media. Mm-hmm. Um, the Women in Publishing Summit is a great resource and community. That's womeninpublishingsummit.com. And I also have a podcast just uh, just for um, authors, people in the journey of writing, publishing, and selling. And it's called The Publish Her. I did mm-hmm. a little play, little play on words there. It's one word, <laughs> two H's. So Publish Her podcast. That may have been a mistake because people are never going to spell it right. 
Yeah. And I want to have you on that podcast at some point because we have very few men who come and our listeners love listening to men. So especially with the, you know, hot British accent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, because it'll be there. I just want to just give a shout out to Hayley Hunter-Hyde and the Soul Centered CEO Collective for bringing this together. Thanks, Triple H. Um, You're an absolute rock star, Alexa. Thanks for everything you're doing for me and the team and for all you're doing for people out there and just the work you're doing. You're just fabulous. And guys, check out the Publish Her podcast. (laughs) Subscribe and do all the things. Uh, Definitely go over to write, W-R-I-T-E, publishcell.com. They did a smashing job for me. I know they're going to do a smashing job for you. Um, Any final words for the listeners? I just want to say that, um, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that are really hard. And as somebody who has overcome the hardest of things, I fully believe that you can do whatever you put your mind to if you set out down the right path. Mm -hmm. So, you know, be encouraged. Everything will be better at one point in time. And just remember that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Guys, you heard it here first. Again, publish her podcast, write, publish, sell, W-R-I-T-E. Go and do the following, all of the things. Check out the website and get a consultation. Speak to the crew. Whether you're like me, I actually had books out and they've actually revamped my books and we're going to be working with them to get them get them out into the world in a bigger way. Or whether you're thinking about it, they're definitely, uh, definitely the people to talk to. So until next time, guys, keep dreaming with your eyes open. Remember, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. And bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.